0: hey everybody and welcome to learning from smart people i am your host rob oliver and my guest today is april elaine powell she is a former wellness chef turned collaborative entrepreneur she is the founder of several of her own businesses including her current endeavor id collective which is thoughtful and accessible interior design and on a side note i love the concept of accessibility Near and dear to my heart, she is the co-founder of a nonprofit called Design Collective Two Hundred Seven, and um, she is in just interested in working with female designers. She is headquartered in Portland, Maine, and I just want to say, April Lane, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. It's so great to be here. I love your format, and I'm looking forward to it today.
0: Wonderful. So listen, part of the reason why I wanted to have you come on is because whenever I am looking at entrepreneurs and looking at what I would classify as underrepresented populations in entrepreneurship, which would be female entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs of color, uh, entrepreneurs with disabilities, all of those, any way that I can support um those populations, I'm like, yes. And so when I was reading your story about what you're doing and then even with the nonprofit stuff, I'm like, this is great. I've got to have April Elaine on. So let me just start here. Give me kind of like your backstory. Where, what kind of deal were you doing as a a wellness chef? I've never heard of what a wellness chef is. And then how did you transition out of that? Well,
1: Rob, you know, it's funny growing up, I never considered myself an underserved commodity until I became an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, and actually once I started being a chef, I experienced it for the first time, um, being, uh, I don't know, what what would you call that? Uh, circled out, (laughs) um, as a woman in the kitchen, um, in a professional kitchen, it was tough. Um, Um, You learn to sidestep conversation and Mm. uh, just do whatever the guys were doing to keep your job, to get noticed. Um, And that didn't sit well with me um, as I made it through the years. And I actually went back to school for nutrition and um, culinary medicine because I wanted to take being just a chef into something that meant something that was helping people and nurturing them in another way. Um, So that's, that's, I kind of uh, gave myself that title long before, I think, I believe it's being used now by quite a few people. I'm sure I wasn't the first, Um, but it was important to me to uh, take what I had learned and turn it into something better, for better for people, better for me as a human being, um, sharing who I was. Um, I grew up in Seattle, so my father was a owned a company called a Wellness Center, which centered on all of the body works you can imagine. Um, he taught at the University of Washington kinesiology, um, massage therapy and things of along those lines. So I learned how to be to live organically and and sustainably before it ever was the buzzwords it's become today.
0: Wow. So let me just key on something that you said that sense of being the odd person out in the workplace. Uh, As a person with a disability, I kind of get that. And in this day and age where there is the push for diversity and the push for inclusion, I actually ended up feeling like that put a whole lot of pressure on me because Mm -hmm. I never wanted to be viewed as someone who was hired because I have a disability, like, oh, that's, that's the guy that we hired to fill the quota, so I uh-huh. felt like I needed to outperform everybody else, so that they would look at me and be able to to see past my disability and to see what my capabilities are. Did Did you ever have any feelings like that when when you're in the work in you know in the professional kitchen?
1: Oh yeah, I, I was just nodding my head with as you were speaking because I'm like, oh, I can so relate. I, I would work late hours I would come in early i would I would be the one that knew the plate settings the everything and i got I learned the front of the house so I knew everything and everything that was going on um, so just so I could stay equal let alone um, be promoted um, those are things um, I learned in culinary school actually quite quickly I was one of three women in my graduating class in culinary school
0: yeah, um, it's,
1: and we were treated different.
0: It's crazy. And it's, it's a, a thing where you, you actually have to be better just to be viewed as equal. And that's, that's such a crazy, crazy concept. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we're able to move the world forward where we get past looking at people's external uh, external circumstances external definition and to be able to look at people for actually what they are doing and listen october is national disability employment awareness month and so I, that's really something that i've been trying to get out there with the message to say hey look at people for what they can do and don't be put off by what is different or by what they can't do let's let's focus on the the cans and Make a world where everybody is contributing what they can. So, you're doing this work as a kind of your self defined wellness chef, where you're working to do something that is organic, that is wholesome, that is uh, culinary related. And then you decide, okay, I'm moving from this into design. What happened? What was the push that kind of got you moving in that direction?
1: You know, it's funny that you should ask that particular question. I get asked that one a lot. Um, it's it's interesting that a lot of people have this view that they're that these are two very opposite things. And in reality, being a chef is very design related. It's about it's about presentation. It's about making things balanced and equal. Um, yes, you talk about the food and its flavors, and but you're it starts with the eyes it starts with the visual um and so to me it felt like a natural progression but I learned in culinary school I had taken a class on on design on how to design a kitchen and I got an a plus in it and I remember being so freaking amazed and and just enthused about doing it I was like but I can't make a living doing that I'm I, I I'm gonna have to be I'm gonna be a chef Um, So it kind of got put on the back burner back then. But then um, as I had gone through my, the different roles that I had worked for corporations, I worked for um, Seattle's Best Coffee, I worked for a company called Sharp's Roaster Nail House in Seattle. Um, I was put in charge of helping people um, rearrange their workspaces or Rearrange the dining room, or I was doing workflow and things that appealed to me, uh, as, along with the, with the managerial side of things and and doing the culinary. And I realized how much I really enjoyed them. And so, um, one of the things I started wanting to really do was design more restaurants, coffee shops. Um, I worked for uh, Sedexo and created a. Uh, in my, in my role for them at Lipscomb University in Nashville, I I created a basic little um, area for the middle school and high school to come and enjoy the same things they got that the um, college people were doing, but in a smaller version. So they could go get um, a hot chocolate or have a station for fried food, nutritional food, just like they had gone into um the uh,
0: college cafeteria
1: college cafeteria and okay. ha- and they got to feel like they were a part of the of a, a better things like they had gotten upgraded
0: that's cool, you know
1: which who doesn't in middle school and high school want to act like a college student
0: yeah <laughs> i I love it and what you let me just go back and again touch on something that you said you mentioned the fact that being a chef is Really, about presentation, and it brings back a story for me. I remember we went to a nice restaurant, and so my deal is this: uh, because of the limitations that I have with my hands it 's very difficult for me to cut up my own food so my my wife she can do it, but i 'm trying to be considerate of her because she has to help me with a lot of stuff, so whenever we go out to eat i 'm always asking the weight staff like, "Hey." This is what I would like. Now, can somebody in the kitchen just cut this into bite-sized pieces for me? And I always remind them, listen, I've got a big mouth. It doesn't have to be like little tiny cubes or anything, but just to make it a little bit easier. And I, we were at a, a very nice restaurant and the waiter, the waiter came back to me and he's like, okay, the chef is really about presentation. So what, we, what the chef is requesting is, can I bring your food out to you? And show it to you before it gets cut into bite-sized pieces, and then we'll take it back in the kitchen and and cut it up. Then, and to me, it was it was kind of funny because it's like, yeah, I, here's the challenge for the chef. Why don't you see if you can cut it into bite-sized pieces and then do something to make that presentation? But you know, the point the point of the whole thing is that food is about much more than just taste. Food is about it, it, it's about your eyes it's about the aroma there's so many different elements to it and that is just a natural flow into creating a restaurant where food is the feature but it's got to, you've got to be able to see it you've got to be able to smell it you've got to be able to hear the all of the those elements i love it so when you then move into doing some design work and you're designing uh mostly restaurant things but are you are you doing this full-time do you transition immediately into doing it full-time or is this like a side hustle or how does it work for you and then to get where you are today
1: at this point I was doing um, I was actually doing a lot still a lot of the nutritional based things on the side um, and part and my jobs with businesses were a, a mix of both of the managerial the the designing and and so I was really enjoying I worked for um when I I moved from the Tennessee area to New England and in New England I was I started working for Panera Bread and helping them because they were building new Panera breads um in New England at that time. Um, it was a new thing here. And uh one of the things I recognized is I want to make this official. I want I I want to do more. Um and so I waited for my uh, youngest son. I have three um, young men um, in my life <laughs> that are sons. Um, but one of them, the youngest one was gonna be finishing high school. Um, and as soon as he did, that was the goal as I was gonna go back to school and get my degree um, and work on interior design full time. And that's what I ended up doing. I did a lot of research and and I applied to schools. and you know, at, at, you know, 40 plus, I was a little concerned, like who's gonna, you know, hire me or allow me into school at this point. Um, and, uh, and I was thrilled to get accepted at Parsons School of Design in New York City. I was like, wow, wow, Cool. I did it. <laughs> yeah, That was like, that alone to me was an accomplishment. Um, that I had, had, I had a dream. I took the next step and, and, and then the next step was even scarier.
0: <laughs> sure. What, it's interesting. I would imagine that schools have to appreciate um, what is typically viewed as a non-traditional student. And the reason is somebody like you and somebody like me, if we're going back to school, I don't care about grades. I don't care about what I'm going because I want to learn. And what mm-hmm. I, I want to learn about something that I can use to make an impact in the world and I can actually use in my life. It's not, it's not about filling out my gen ed credits. It's about getting me, uh, you know, practical tools that I can use um, to make the world a better place.
1: I agree. And that was one of the things they, this program was, was special because it, it actually, they um, focused on the second career people. In fact, if you were a freshman, you couldn't even apply for this program. Wow. Um, they wanted people that were in their second career or were older students that knew what they wanted to be doing, that had a focus. Um, sure. And I appreciated that my classmates, there were several my age.
0: Right. Good. So now you become an entrepreneur, okay? You're doing your own business. And now the the, the tables have flipped or the whatever the proper expression is, and instead of you working for someone else and having to prove your worth, you are now your own boss. How, how do you find being a female impacts that? Is that a positive, a negative, or is, it, or is there a way that you make it your own? It, it's not good or bad, it's how you deal with it.
1: It really is about uh, making fe- being a female entrepreneur an asset. To me, that's, that has been the biggest focus for me. It took me a while to get there to figure that out. Um, because I work in an, people don't realize this, but interior design is, is, is actually a male dominated um, field. Hmm. um, As far as who's getting the recognition, who's, who's, who's doing, who's making the decisions are mostly men. Um, And women have only recently really started to get the applause, to get the awards, to get the acknowledgement. And I think that that um, one of the things that I recognized early on in working for myself, that it was much easier to feel confident in what I was doing if I knew that what I was saying were my own words. It wasn't something that somebody else gave me to say. Um, it was something that I had decided. And I was, con- you know, one of the pluses of having grown up in that environment in a kitchen was that I was used to talking to men. I was used to being in that conversation and not feeling intimidated. And I feel like that has helped me a great deal, talking to construction workers, builders, developers, tradespeople, Um They, they like you to talk frank with them to be straight. Um, I'm not a foo-foo kind of girl, never was. I've always been kind of a, um, uh, a woman that that gets along with just about everybody sure so it was easy for me to to step in this role and actually one of the things i i value is is that ability to get along with everyone and not take I, I i talk about being a woman and being an entrepreneur as a female but it's not i don't ram people over the head with it um because sure. i don't think that that's helpful either but I do embrace it and I think that that's making it an asset. It's saying I'm a woman, but I I know how I know how to communicate with right. a man. Yeah. So I, I think that that's a big plus.
0: Yeah, I I'm hearing what you're saying and there's an element in which being a woman has nothing to do with the quality of product that you that you provide. No. But that stand you know that's element stands on its own. But there is something about owning your selfness and like this is who i am and i am proud of who i am and it doesn't in some ways it brings certain strengths to what i'm doing but the quality of my work stands on its own and my comfortableness. well, I'm. I think I'm inventing words today for some reason. But
1: <laughs> I like it when people invent words. <laughs> yeah, like
0: comfortab- comfortability or whatever it is. I am. I am solidly comfortable with who I am, and kind of. Moved. And in that way, when you're, no matter what the circumstances are, and you and I, I think have both experienced this, that sometimes things aren't necessarily it's not necessarily a level playing field. Um, and life can be hard and life can be difficult and sometimes you get difficult things that happen, but that's life and you deal with it and it's not necessarily fair, but you move forward.
1: Agreed. Uh, and one of the best things that I remember growing up was that no one ever said life was gonna be easy or fair. And, and it's something I taught my kids you know, my three sons are resilient and respectful, and and thought well of, um, because I didn't teach them to to be. Um, I well, I should probably re- rephrase that. I taught them to be outspoken, to speak their mind, to tell people with respect. Um, and I think if you if you use respect and you use common sense and you use kindness, pure, pure and mm. simple kindness. Yeah. When you're communicating with someone, It not going to matter to them you your, uh, what color your skin is, what, what, what gender you are. If you can walk or not walk, or if you have a, a disability of any kind, they're going to, they're going to see the human being that's there.
0: Yeah. That's it. I, I want to shift gears for just a quick second. Uh because you, you're, you talked about your, um, your ID work, your interior design, and uh, but you're also working on a nonprofit. So tell me a little bit about this nonprofit because to me I, I'm intrigued. I, I also started a nonprofit for anti-bullying stuff, and um, and to me it's a way of being part of the community, giving back to the community, building community. So tell me a little bit about your nonprofit and where you're going and, and how it impacts the community where you are.
1: Thanks for asking about that. This one's near and dear to my heart <laughs> and my soul. It's down to my soul. My, um, I was as probably in that same period of time when I was thinking about um, creating my for-profit business and, and just going out into design. I was also thinking about how do I bring my friends, my colleagues, my, the people um, I care about together that are so creative. How can we help them grow and be a better better at what they do and be seen, be heard? Um, and then down the road, it came, it, this has kind of um, blossomed. With, I would share it with people, other women, um, women I, I went to school with in, in New York, women I meet on the street here in Maine. And every time I'd share it, I'd get a, yeah, what a great idea. So basically, we, it is Design Collective 207. And we use 207 because we're here in Maine, and that's our area code. <laughs> and it's, a not, it's, a, it's most people know that because we only have one in the entire state. Um, it's just a way of acknowledging that, that we're about inclusivity. We're about equality. We're about undoing some of the damage that's been done. Um, in a patriarchal society that's, you know, let's face it, usually you think about a membership and you think about the men who used to have men's clubs, which still are in existence, and women weren't invited. Um, and, and even when women started being invited, it was very, very selective. So to us, we wanted to kind of shake off all of those kinds of, of things, and we we don't. It's not a membership with a design collective. It's the D fold, which D stands for design. The fold is about bringing people into the fold where we feel safe and mm-hmm. supported. And really, our tagline is "Be seen, be heard, be celebrated," because we want women, and this is all about female and and it's a female focused and female um, identifying, um, inclusive community that's going to help them with their, uh, portfolios, a mentorship program, uh, creating resources and events that are going to help support them in, in their, in their efforts to be seen, be heard and be celebrated for their accomplishments.
0: That's awesome. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I look at different civil rights movements, okay? So the, uh, the women's uh, civil rights movement, the African-American civil rights movement, and the disability civil rights movement. And the women's movement obviously preceded the uh, African-American by many years. And, you know, things are not perfect for women these days. They're, they're much better than they were. And uh, the Afri- with African-Americans... They are behind the women's movement, um, yeah. but there's progress there. And I would say that, sadly, the disability uh, movement is behind the African-American movement by, you know, probably 30 years. And so it, it's, a, it's such a different thing. So I'm just, I'm thinking here, if someone, out, if there's a woman out there, if there's someone with a disability out there and they're thinking about, you know, doing something different. They've got a dream. They've got, they want to be an entrepreneur. They want to start their own business. They want to be part of a community of designers or what's your message to, to the folks that are out there that have a dream.
1: Don't wait. Start your brilliant dream. Even if it's just talking to your neighbor and, and, and having a conversation, but get, get the word out there, start doing it. Don't wait. Um, so many so many entrepreneurs that i run into because i have a commercial side to my for profit business and i help small entrepreneurs i don't focus on the big guys there's enough interior designers out there helping them sure i help the little ones i help the little ones who might not have the resources to have somebody give them the information they need to lay the foundation to have those to have things brought to them the ideas Form a cohort, join a cohort. Um, they're out there. There's some in every state in the union. There's some in every country, they're, sure. they're everywhere.
0: Yeah, I, and for anyone that's listening, and you, if you wanna go back, uh, one of my previous episodes was with uh, Dr. Al Lucy who talks about building social capital. And that's just the idea of investing and finding places where there's commonality. That's great. April Lane, you have been fantastic. And I could feel like I could talk to you all day. But uh, if people are looking to get a hold of you, where can they find you?
1: We are at, um, you can reach me on Facebook. Um, it's under my name, April Lane Powell. Um, you can reach me on Instagram. Love to have a follow. I will follow you if you follow me. And it's s. B is a boy. ID Collective. That's soul brand interior design collective. But it's beautiful. Come find me. Yeah. Um, we're on Twitter and our website is is being switched as we speak. <laughs> so we're excited to to uh, enter that enter into the world of of web- website dome again. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. And so I will put links to all of that information down in the show notes so that people can, can get in touch with you that way. And you've been generous enough to offer a free consultation. Tell me about it.
1: I have. Um, so anyone who wants to talk about what I've talked about today or they just want to talk about interior design, they have a dilemma they want to, they want to bounce about, feel free to reach out to our, on our website. Actually, you can follow, you could reach us on our Facebook or Instagram. There's a booking link. And you just book a call with me, um, and you get 30 minutes of my time, and I'm happy to answer questions.
0: Fantastic. Listen, thank you so much. Uh, Now, we get to my favorite part of the show, which is three questions to establish your humanity. Uh, Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So what is one thing that can always bring your family together? Food. All right and what is the what's the go-to meal I'm sure that as a chef you you've got a little bit of pressure on you for this but what's the what's the one meal that the the boys are always like hey mom can you make us pizza <laughs> Really is homemade you're making homemade pizza or are you ordering it Yeah
1: we make it we make it from the crust up and we used to have actually the boys and I used to have competition so everybody'd have a week that they, got to, that they got to do the pizza. Um, so my boys are all actually probably better at pizza now than me, okay. um, because they've been making it since they were small.
0: That is so funny. Uh, what is the thing that you are most proud of in the last year?
1: Ooh, I'd have to say um, taking the step myself to create the nonprofit. I have a co-founder, Shelley Stevens, who owns a florist a floral shop here in in Portland, Maine, um, and uh, she believed in me, and I believed and and believed in my dream enough that she joined me in the and I think that 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 meeting that that meeting that day, and the fact that we're growing uh, a, a board for Design Collective Two Hundred Seven and taking action.
0: That's very cool. Congratulations on that. Uh, last question: You have lived around the country. So you, Seattle, Tennessee, Maine, what is the one regional dish that you're like, you know what, this, wherever, I, whenever I'm kind of having one of those moments, I wish I had this, or the thing, maybe it's a, a Maine, a New England dish that you think, this is the one thing that just makes me happy.
1: Oh, that's a, that one's hard for me because I'd have to say if there was one ingredient, it would be crab. Because okay. I can get that in Washington State or in Maine, I can't get it fresh crab really in in, uh, in Tennessee. Right. But um, it's the one thing I can get crab in just about every state. It's not always fresh, but right. And it, it leads me back to a memory, a good memory as a kid. My uh, grandmother used to take when she'd come to visit. She'd take us to a restaurant in Seattle that made uh, shrimp Louie. Or okay. excuse going to be crab louie, which is basically an English muffin with a ton of crab meat and a ton of cheese on top. Nice. How could you not like that?
0: It's got, <laughs> it's got all the good stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Th- thank you very much for sharing that. I, I appreciate you being on the show today. And I hope folks take advantage of the offer that you have so generously put out there. To all my listeners, I say thanks for tuning in today. And uh, I will, I've got a favor to ask. If whatever platform any of my listeners are on, April, Elaine, I'll ask you this too. Hey, wherever you listen to this, leave me a a review or leave me a rating. Just, of course, I would love to have five-star ratings from everybody, but just honestly let me know what you think, and I, I will forever be grateful for that. I will remind everyone, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living.